When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Here we go. Here we go. It is game week, and we are off and running. Looking forward to that. And I think I got my levels right here, Caleb, because we had a storm come in, and we lost power for a little bit. Am I all good? You sound great. I mean, that must y'all been having storms like nobody's business out in East Tennessee. I swear. I don't know if you believe in global warming or not, or or you believe that we caused it or it's just natural, but the tornado alley has moved and it goes right through East Tennessee. We have a, a lot of them, man. We've got a lot of show today. John Adams will join us a little bit later in the program. And you know, and I know that we all love visiting with John. What does Joe Milton have to do against Virginia to inspire confidence? Also, Tony Musket will be Virginia's quarterback. I'll tell you a little bit more about him. Will Musket backfire or shoot straight for the Cavs? And what do you think of when you think of UVA? Also, what Power 5 teams are actually worse than the University of Virginia? Tennessee releases their depth chart and five keys for the balls against the University of Virginia. Virginia. So got a lot going on. Uh, I would like to pass this along as uh, I believe we will discuss this in the depth chart as well. Uh, But I was told uh, by a source within Tennessee's program that Elijah Simmons has a bit of an issue with a knee. Don't be surprised to see him miss some time. That's what I'm reporting right now. I have more confirmation on that, but that I was told that literally minutes before we went on the air. So if that's the case, how significant of a loss would that be? Production-wise, I don't know, but I know he's the most talented defensive tackle that Tennessee has. Yeah, but I can't consider the injury significant because even though he has the talent, he doesn't seem to have broken through because we're going to get to the depth chart a bit later. He wasn't listed as a starter, even a a co-starter on the depth chart. And... We know that Josh Heupel is lying about injuries and suspensions on the depth chart because he listed Cooper Mays as the starting center. So the fact that he wouldn't even list Elijah Simmons as a co-starter suggests that he may be the most talented, but he still hasn't shown up and done what he needs to do yet. Yep. I don't think it's a monstrous loss at all. I just think that 
you know, it, it, Tennessee was so deep up front, up front, and they still are. Don't get me wrong. And you're right, Travis. It is five more days, but you don't want to start losing guys at this point of the season. And I've been told that it's just going to be a couple, three, four week thing. So I don't doubt that Tennessee is going to be fine whatsoever, but you don't want to get hit with the injury bug. It seems, doesn't it seem like one injury leads to another and suddenly you've got a team that's a bit banged up with Cooper Mays out. Now Elijah Simmons, from what I've been told has a knee issue and could miss three to four weeks. So that's not good. You certainly don't want that, right? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the annoying things about coverages of, and I said this about Josh Heifel, and Dave, you cover new coaches at different programs for a long time. You know what really, really gets me sick and annoyed is, is, when, is when you hear player talk about this coach's new conditioning program. He's always trying to get us in shape as if he's the only coach who's trying to get his players in shape in the country. And that's the first thing you hear with a new head coach, no matter how bad or good they turn out to be is they have a new intense conditioning program that's going to get everybody in shape. And how many have you ever heard of a new coach that hasn't been touted for that? Uh, no, I've never heard a coach say, we don't really need to worry about preseason conditioning and getting guys in shape. Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> yeah, but you notice they act like they're unique for prioritizing it, as if no other coach in football is prioritizing conditioning in the offseason. <laughs> but it is particularly more important for Tennessee in the offense they run, right? Yes, yes, there's a type of conditioning they need. I agree with you on that, but you still hear you hear it all the time. It, you hear that, and you also hear they're a tenacious recruiter. So if you if 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 you if every basically every coach when they're a new coach stresses conditioning and is a great recruiter, but that can't be all of them. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I think this could be a, a significant blow for Tennessee if a couple of other guys um, go down, but. I, I have no reason to believe that's the case. How many actual defensive players, edge rushers, let's include linebackers, do you feel good about heading into this season as we link up with John Adams here momentarily? I feel good actually about three defensive tackles, actually four. I feel good about four defensive tackles and about three edge rushers. I feel pretty good about. So seven total on the on a four-man defensive line, I think can could could do the job effectively very well. At linebacker, three. I feel good about three, and I felt good about three entering the year, and I still feel good about three if I'm if I'm a Tennessee fan right now. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, does that make linebacker the thinnest position on the field? No, because you don't have to run as deep of a rotation at linebacker as you do defensive line. Um, I, I think the – are you talking about on defense the thinnest position? Well, I mean, all around. I mean, it, whether – yeah, I mean – if you're talking about three linebackers that can play and they've got two linebackers essentially in this position because of the defense that they run, I mean, that's that's not a great number of linebackers, Caleb. Yeah, but they have zero quarterbacks who can play, so that's still the thinnest position out there. <laughs> See, quarter or corner? Corner, corner. Okay. They have zero cornerbacks who can play, so that's the thinnest position out there right now. They have the most bodies at cornerback, but none of them can play. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee Jr. saying – he can be great. He just needs to buy in. I think Elijah Simmons is one of those guys. I also think that Addison Nichols is one of those guys, and he would be Tennessee's starting center if he was a little bit tougher. Speaking of tough, John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel joins us now, as he does each and every Tuesday. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? 
Never better. How excited are you about the football season? It is actually here. The week zero is like you order an appetizer at a restaurant and they bring you like one fry. <laughs> Horrible. Never thought about that. I don't usually get appetizers. Um, yeah, I, I try to stay even keel. Uh, through a football season or in just to my work in general. So I don't want to get overly excited for the opener. I know a lot of people will. It's a, it's a non-conference clash between a proud member of the ACC. And uh, <laughs> are there any proud members of the ACC? Are they like, Oh yeah, we're bringing the act to you. <laughs> I mean, everybody in there is looking for an escape hatch. Every one of those teams, they can't get out of there fast enough. No. Sound the fire alarm. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yes. they can. No, it's a, it's a storied conference and uh, looking forward to the game. Yeah, I am too. So mm. it is, it is in Nashville. We talked last week about neutral site games. It doesn't do a lot for me, but uh, here we go. Let's start with Joe Milton. What does he have to do against the University of Virginia to inspire confidence for the remainder of the season? That is today's tough question, and it's brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All righty, so here we go. You can name yardage. You can name completion percentage you can name whatever you would like but what would inspire confidence for tennessee's fan base today's tough question brought to you by zen sports the new sports book in tennessee revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards that means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on zen sports what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus earn an unlimited five percent cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code hooked that's hooked that's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. What should inspire confidence? What does it take for Joe Milton? Either team outcome, personal outcome. Let me start with you, John Adams. I think the stats will take care of themselves against Virginia. The stats will probably take care of everyone against Virginia. So I would just kind of be looking at what he does uh, with accuracy. He's He's gotten knocked in the past for that. Decision-making. And I wonder about how he will maneuver in the pocket. Uh, if Virginia can mount a pass rush, it does have an experienced front four. Uh, maybe the strongest area of its team. So if he, if Joe Milton is pressured, how he handles that, those are some of the things uh, I'm looking for. And I think a lot of fans are too. I, I think the numbers will probably be pretty good, particularly if he, he handles those issues well. And they've got some uh, cornerback issues as well. So Caleb, what do you, uh, corner, not quarter, um, Caleb, what do you think Joe Milton needs to do on Saturday for Tennessee fans to say, that's the guy, forget about that old Miss blunder? Yeah, I'm actually breaking with John here because I remember the last time Joe Milton started the season for Tennessee and he completed under 50% of his passes and missed on pretty much every deep throw possible. And it was against a very, very, very 
awful bowling green team with the worst defense than Virginia has now. So I'm going to go, I need to see him complete at least 65% of his passes, average at least eight and a half yards an attempt. And I also need to see him com- complete at least two roughly 40 to 50 or more yard passes through the air. Josh Heupel's offense is going to scheme for you to have a couple of wide open shots. And he's got to complete at least two of those. So that's where I come with that. Ultimately, I think mine's the foundation of yours, which is completion percentage. But I really want to sit down, even if I had half the TV blocked off and I didn't see where the pass was going, I want to see his footwork and what he does in the pocket. Because Hendon Hooker had so many great traits and did so many good things last year, John. I think we kind of forget about his pocket presence. He avoided sacks. He was kind of like a poor man's Bryce Young to some extent. And he got a lot done. Joe Milton has heavier feet. I know they've worked on his mechanics. If they do all of that, then I think the completion percentage will be there. Uh, By the way, on the message board, Travis says John is a cerebral assassin. You know what that means, John? It means I'm very bright and very vicious. (laughs) Also, John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't think John Wick was that cerebral, but I didn't watch a full movie of his. (laughs) just a just a bunch of guys killing other guys yeah it's always the shot in the stomach then shot in the head that's how he kills people shoot them in the stomach to slow them down then put a bullet in their head uh joe milton's 300 plus yards three tds running backs 150 plus divided by three a defense hold them under 21 one and a half picks four sacks that's what travis is saying but i do think when we're talking specifically about milton um I think we'll be able to see it without a stat sheet. I think we'll we'll come away from that game saying that guy's taking another step uh, in improvement. And, John, how much do you look back at the Orange Bowl and what he did against Clemson as a reason to indicate he might be pretty darn good on Saturday? Well, he was facing a better – certainly a better defense against uh, Clemson than he will against Virginia. He was uh, – he didn't make mistakes – hit some touchdown passes, hit a deep throw uh, for a touchdown. Um, He was under a lot of pressure in that game, his first start in a while, and I thought he handled it really well. Um, I don't don't know if Virginia will attest him that much, but I don't think you can just write that game off. I think it was a very significant game, albeit just one game. I think it was very significant how he handled things. Let me ask you this, because I, I agree with you, but Caleb's kind of on the other side of the fence. He's He said he's a bit unsure how much Clemson wanted to be there, Caleb. So, I mean, how much do you draw from the Orange Bowl? Well, me or John? Do you, yes, Caleb. Yeah. Okay. I draw as much from the Orange Bowl as I would have drawn from Tebow's 316-yard playoff performance against Pittsburgh in 2011, which what I mean by that is – When Tim Tebow threw for 316 yards, that was because Pittsburgh was daring him to throw deep. So they played just press man coverage the whole game and allowed for Demarius Thomas to make so many plays. Joe Milton, Clemson reset the clock on him, but they dared him to throw over the middle of the field. They left the middle of the field wide open all game. And I mean, throws that we could have completed over the middle of the field in that game. Now to Joe Milton's credit, he completed those. So that does reset the clock a little bit, but I can't read too much into it because I think Clemson was just testing him out to a certain degree and not actually pulling out their full defensive scheme in that game. 
Yeah, I also think that they may, maybe that were you going to say, John? Well, so basically, you're saying Clemson wasn't really trying that hard to win the game. It was just giving its goal was to give Joe Milton a test. I think they were experimenting defensively with things. And yes, they did want to, te- and then they did, in, as part of that, willingly test Joe Milton because they weren't sure because of his accuracy issues before if he could throw over the middle of the field. The same way Pittsburgh in 2011, that's why I brought it up, wasn't sure that Tim Tebow could beat them from the pocket. So they just played press man coverage all day. And then New England next week was like, okay, we'll play more complex cover two defenses. And Tim Tebow completely melted down in that playoff game a week later. On the flip side, there's a guy with a pretty cool last name, and we're going to talk Virginia here for a second to get you prepped for the game. Be sure and hit that like and subscribe button. Fill in your comments, as I know you've been waiting for quite some time to hear about Tony Musket. Tony Musket. That's right. It's a great name. Would you rather have the last name Musket or Hooker? We'll get to that first. uh, Jacob Warren, what should people do that are watching right now? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. All right. Will Tony Musket backfire or shoot straight for UVA? I want to start with you, John. And uh, I did a little research on him last night. He was very good at Monmouth, which is Division Two, or if we want to call it FCS, we can, whatever. But isn't it all FCS now? But anyway, um, it's Division Two. He was one of the top players in Division Two, and he moved up to Virginia. But, John, why did he move up to Virginia? Why was there a spot there for him? Well, Virginia's quarterback transferred uh, to North Carolina State. I think his his goal was, I think his thinking was, I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's a bad team. We don't play very good defense. We play better defense, though, than offense. And I don't have a lot of help. And uh, I think Tony Musket might be looking for, for some of his old offensive buddies back at Monmouth at times, kind of. Uh, against Tennessee. I don't, I don't think he has a lot of help. This is a really, really bad offensive team. It was horrible last year, and I don't see where it's going to be that much better. Caleb, what do you think of Tony Musket? Tennessee has given up yards, but we've all talked about how they should be better, especially up front. Maybe a secondary will come together. I don't really know. I want to see it before I say it. What do you think of Tony Musket going against the balls? He was a heck of a player at Monmouth. Yeah, I don't see much from Tony Musket. If you know Virginia's quarterback last year, I put up terrible numbers. And I'm with John. I think it had a lot to do with just the team surrounding him and the system. Um, the Tony Musket move seems like a desperation move. Um, to be fair, there is a difference between FCS and Division Two, and he was in FCS. So we do have to be fair on that. But, yeah, I, I, I don't. I think where it's really going to stand out is I don't know how Tony Musket's going to be able to handle Tennessee's pass rush. This is going to be the first pass rush of, of this caliber that he's ever seen. So I have no faith in him in this one. Now let's look at the other side of it. Um, he is a guy that had great success. Uh, he was named all conference at one point. He is a guy that has played really well at Monmouth. I know I was kind of joking around about him, but he has played really well at Monmouth. This is a transfer-laden Virginia team. I think the question is, Tony Elliott, the head coach, is he ready to take in transfers and make them immediately fit in? Sometimes we just say naturally that a guy transfers, he's going to be great. But I don't think it's that easy. 
I really don't. And I think you're seeing it with Dante Thornton, who I don't believe is going to be a bigger impact player than Squirrel White. And they're not all going to pan out. Joe Milton at one point didn't pan out. Um, that's my bigger question is with the transfers they have, is Tony Elliott and a student of coach to be able to handle that, John? And he may have turned down the Tennessee job. He says he did. But I'm not so sure that he, he's ready to overhaul a roster year in and year out. That sounds like a difficult challenge. I think a lot of transfers who do well at a lower level, be it uh, the group of five or, or FCS, a lot of them who have been productive at that level want to prove themselves at a, in the SEC or in a Power Five conference. Uh, so sometimes those guys, you can, you can really win a lot with those kind of guys. But why in the world would somebody like that want to transfer Virginia? Because are you really going to play that better caliber of football at Virginia? You're going to be practicing or against really good players? I don't think so. Just because you get a transfer doesn't mean he's a good transfer. Uh, Tony Musket, no one has compared him that I know of to Caleb Williams, another transfer who went from Oklahoma to Southern Cal. We know how that played out. John, um, cooler last name, Musket or Hooker? Ooh. Hooker, right, Caleb? I don't know, but here, here's the problem with Hooker. You have to be careful how you use it. <laughs> what does that mean? You don't use credit cards or checks? So as opposed to with, with Musket, you can do silly things like Musket misfires, Musket backfires, uh, Musket gets wet, can't shoot then. Yeah. Um, John, you, I mean, you recall back in the day, what's it like to load up a musket? <laughs> Dave, you know, when I was a young man, uh, I hate to say this, but we, we couldn't afford muskets. <laughs> no, no, I had, uh, I kind of went full Indian back when I was a kid and I had a bow and arrow uh. and a, a Tommy Hawk that I practiced, practiced throwing at the garage door. Yeah. That's kind of how I roll back then. And everyone. I, I know that. Go ahead, Caleb. I know. I know all of the South will turn against me on this, but no gun has ever brought me pleasure. I'm not so sure I can say the same. I can't say the same thing about a hooker. Caleb, you, you laughed a little too much on that one. I think <laughs> made me a bit. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> and the NRA will find where you live. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, Tony Musket goes out there and he turns in what type of performance? John, let me start with you. And let's say great, good, average, bad, horrendous. Uh, with all respect to him and his family, and I bet they're a wonderful <laughs> bunch of people, I, I think he will be absolutely awful in this game. <laughs> you will too i think this is going to be an absolute fiasco disaster he will be he will be dropping the musket and scrambling for a tommy hawk in a bow and air that's right <laughs> i remember you told me about you used to go to the firearm store back in the day and just buy the battle rocks you said that was all your family could afford it was just a big bag of rocks yeah throw it at him and throw them fast and just keep throwing till they're all gone <laughs> do you think that 
I want to flip it just a little bit. Do you think Virginia's defense, and Caleb and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, is benefited by the fact that they get the offseason prepared for Tennessee's offense? The reason I ask that is you go back to the option, you go back to the triple option. You know, those are tough to deal with in the middle of the season. Tennessee's not running the option, but they are running a very difficult, unique offense. Defensively, what do you see out of the Cavs? Well, remember when Tennessee had an entire offseason uh, off to prepare for Georgia Tech's triple option, which yep. I think netted 3,000 yards in, in a losing cause? Uh, I don't think – Was that the trash can game? It very much was, yes. <laughs> and a certain coach should have been placed in it. I won't mention any names. <laughs> but I, I think this is a different type offense. I don't really think you can prepare for it. I mean, you can see what Tennessee does, but it's the speed at which you have to play, and you just can't duplicate that in practice. Uh, so I think that will be Virginia. It doesn't matter. You could have given Virginia three years to prepare for this offense, and it would still be in trouble on Saturday, I think. So do you think Tony Elliott comes into this game and he's more concerned about Tennessee's offense or what Muscat's going to do? I think he's probably more concerned about his job. Ouch. Do you think Danny Watt might hire him? <laughs> um, well, if they have an administrative post open, that's possible. Yeah. I don't can't read Bud Danny's mind. But, uh, over there. He's not doing anything. Who? They got Bud oh. Ford over there. He's not doing anything. Um, they could take his job. I think that uh, – I think Musket will be below average. I'm not going to say absolutely horrible, but Caleb, what would you say? I'm actually going to go absolutely horrible I'm with John. And I mean, mainly because, I, you know, you pulled up some of his stats. I know he had over 200 yards rushing last year, but he's not that good of a runner. No, he's and, not. No. And so what is he going to do when Tim Banks dials up these blitz packages that he likes to dial up throughout the game? I mean, Tony Musket is not going to have any chance. I mean, I I would be able to – I've never touched a gun, and I'd be able to reload a musket before he gets rid of the ball. He needs to be running for that rock pile and start chucking those things. I, You know what I think of? It, it's weird how this popped into my head. Remember last year when Will Levis was injured for Kentucky and they brought in the yes, backup? From, from September to November. <laughs> he was dealing with some issues, Dave. I mean, anybody can break he's playing down. playing the preseason like he's still injured, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> You, I just you, I just got an email. Caleb, you got Caleb who's a big Titans fan, so you just touched a nerve. Well, I just got an email about how I can interview him about how he's preparing for the NFL. Uh, no thanks on that one. Uh, but go back to I can't remember the young man's name, and I'm, I'm sure he's a fine person. But he came in as backup to Will Levis, and I watched him play. And that's who I think of when I when you say Tony Musket. I mean, he just really looked overwhelmed out there. Or maybe another guy, Jack Miller, that started for Florida against uh, against Oregon State. You're really going back. I don't know anybody in the earth that watches as much college football as John, which is why we love him on the program. I, I was fascinated by that game, that bowl game. It was one of my favorite bowl games because I – I didn't think any team could be that bad offensively. I kind of like Oregon State and its coach. And how about a shout-out to Joey Matthews, who I was uh, – that's out of left field, Sevier County, who I was told the reason he didn't have a better career is because they wanted to get everybody ready. 
in 98 and it's full contact on the quarterbacks and it pretty much broke his confidence two weeks in the spring camp he later became an, a member of the fbi then i think he's a great individual so I'm not gonna <laughs> i don't know i saw him come I, I i saw him start the year in 2000 uh was it ever a confidence thing with him or uh, just the worst arm in the history of tennessee quarterbacks i do i no, i think dave was right i think it was more confidence than anything else yeah, Fred White said that they beat the ever-living fire out of tea because there were no non-contact jerseys. And he said it probably was very, very bad for Matthews' career. little sidetrack, two minutes. What do you think of when you think of UVA, the University of Virginia? Craig Elo, anyone? Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or a guy that just won't leave. Wow, that is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Here we go. Welcome back. It is time for four downs. Four downs today will be what do you think of when you think of UVA, Virginia? Because I don't think football off the top of the bat. We all agree with that. So let's get to four downs brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Cooper will take us through it. But first, let me ask you this, Coop. What should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Yep, absolutely. And I've been told if you do that, he'll actually heal up quicker and be on the field. What about that? All right, here we go. It is time for Four Downs brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. 
Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. John, what does your hat say? Is that autographed as well? It's a live lucky hat. It's got a clover leaf. It's a line of caps. I have about 20 of these. I actually wore one to Tennessee uh, football practice. It was the start of Butch Jones's last hurrah. <laughs> so uh, it's a live we, stupid cap. He looked, he happened to see the live lucky on the side of my cap and uh, opined. Uh, That's I, I need that cap. Uh, yes he did uh, and he didn't get it in time yeah and you two traded and you walked out with a dunce cap so what do you think of when you think of the university of virginia what down coop coop here first down all right let me start with the one the only master historian it is caleb caleb when you think of the university of virginia what do you think of well Full disclosure, my little brother is a PhD student at UVA right now studying 19th century United States history. And I remember I that. Where did that come from? <laughs> wow, Caleb, impressive. I, I'm, I am a history major myself. Um, so I think of their great academic program in the great academic department. And it's wonderful founder who um, had a totally consensual relationship with his slave, who was obviously in a position to say no. Sorry. Yes. Yes. It was, <laughs> it, it was very. It was a very close bonding relationship with his with his slaves. It wasn't just a one night fling. How about the next down, Coop? Where are we? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Me. I think of Craig Elo and Larry Nance because <laughs> Brian Doherty. Because I think Cavs, and I'd immediately go back because that's when I watch a lot of NBA. I think of the Cleveland Cavaliers. If they weren't playing Tennessee, I don't know that I would know one single person on their team. Does that make me stupid, John, or does that make me a guy that knows how to best spend his time? Tell me, Dave, did uh, Craig Elo, it took me about three or four minutes to figure out why you said brought up Craig Elo. Did Michael Jordan hit that clutch shot over Craig Elo? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a calf. He was yeah. a calf. And Who, uh, as Michael Jordan said, was the stupidest decision to put Elo on him because he said Harper actually guarded me better that game. Way to rub some salt in the wounds, MJ. Yeah, some, <laughs> Thank some you. Greg Elo is shaking. He's like got a little twitch. All right. Which down now, Cooper? Are we on fourth down now, guys? Third. Third? Tennessee Center Cooper Mays here. Third down. John. What do you think of when you think of the University of Virginia? Well, I'll follow uh, Caleb's lead there, and I will go with uh, Tommy Jefferson. Uh, we we kind of hung out. I don't mean to name drop, but we kind of hung out back in the day when I was a youngster. Loading muskets. <laughs> Loading muskets, shooting bow and arrows, throwing rocks at passersby. We'd climb up my treehouse and throw rocks at people walking by. Tommy what? Jefferson, yeah. For the record, Monticello is absolutely gorgeous. Isn't that where Thomas Jefferson? That, that's his home, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I toured it. He, I did when I knew him. He didn't live there, Dad. <laughs> Fourth down. Here we go. Cooper Mays. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was second. Go ahead and say what you were going to say, since I played the wrong sounder. 
we also forgot about the the one a, a very inspiring figure in Tennessee history, a legendary Tennessee football head coach graduated from the University of Virginia. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Who? <laughs> Derek Dooley. He graduated oh, from UVA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tied in, tied in for UVA. I I intentionally didn't bring him up, but uh <laughs> that's fine that you did. Yeah, he was a tight end. Uh, at, that kind of told you something about Virginia's recruiting back in the day. Derek Dooley was a tight end, wasn't he? Or was he a wide receiver? He was, he was a receiver. Hot, He yeah. was a wide receiver. Why did I think he was a tight end? Because he looked too slow to he be a wide Tennessee. receiver? He played Tennessee. He went against Tennessee when he was on Virginia in the 90, 1990 Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I covered that game. It was a close game, too. And yeah, nobody guys. cares about that game. <laughs> or about Derek Dilly. So no, oh, they yeah. don't, but that's what the next question's about. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. That's fourth down. So would Virginia be better off with Derek Dooley than Tony Elliott? Ouch. That's a thinking one. Caleb, you want well, to go first? Or go John? Ahead, Caleb. No. No. <laughs> Who do you want to go first? Caleb or me, Dave? I want you, John. There we go. Okay, I'll say Virginia would be better off with Derek Dooley. Golly, they would, I think, Caleb. I I think they would, too. I, yeah, I don't think... That's pretty sad, isn't it? <laughs> well, but again, Derek Dooley wasn't the... His weakness was recruiting, but I don't think he was... And, John, I think you and I have talked about it. I, I think Derek Dooley is one of the few coaches that Tennessee hired between Fulmer and Josh Heupel, who maybe had more than three brain cells. And I think Derek Dooley had a very high IQ for a football coach. That's crazy. Yeah, I do too. I do too. <laughs> I mean, if you put Derek Dooley and Butch Jones in like a academic decathlon, Derek Dooley's winning. God, can you see those guys <laughs> on a debate stage? I, I the Butch would go, "Well, he fell down and and hit his head on on, on his helmet." I, I mean that that's his go to line when something in a, in a crisis moment. So. That wouldn't go well, no. Yeah, he didn't mention that he pushed the kid down and made sure that he fell in the helmet. Uh, Not, Nigel Warrior's name never came up in his explanation either. Mm-mm. No, it didn't. It was almost yeah. like he got punched or something. Oh, that's, I thought that's it was Darrell cr- Taylor who punched Shy Tuttle. Was it Nigel Warrior? I thought it was Nigel, too. We'd have to I go thought back. it was Nigel to punch Shy Tuttle. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it's on you. But I mean, who knows? Personally, I I don't. I think it's kind of foolish to have tried to punch Shy Tuttle. (laughs) Guys, what do we want out of our media? (laughs) You can go to utsports.com and just Google uh, Shy Tuttle, Nigel Warrior, and I'm sure there's a write up on utsports.com that will uh, totally illustrate what happened that fateful day in practice john brought this up to me yesterday and i thought he was purely insane and then we talked about it and he's absolutely right but at first i thought what the h what the what was he thinking release the hounds the dave hooker show keep cool a presentation of off the hook sports.com both of you have to give me a power five team that is worse than Virginia. I will go first. Tell me if you agree or disagree. I will say Vanderbilt. Both agree? Disagree? I will disagree. Oh, 
Okay. Even Caleb? though I watch Vanderbilt against Hawaii, I will still disagree. I would have disagreed last week, but that Vanderbilt Hawaii game, and maybe I'm just salty because they cost me some money because I bet on them to cover. Is a problem. Uh, oh, oh, Caleb, never ever take Vanderbilt and give points. I, I don't care if it's <laughs> against Monmouth and Tony Musket is departed. There. Go ahead. So I'm going to say I'm actually going to do something kind of similar, but look, and this is a waste of a program because I think they could be very good, but given their coach, I don't think Virginia is the worst football team in its own state. I think Virginia Tech is. They made a terrible hire in Brent Pry. I think you could what do you think, John? You can make that argument. It seemed like Tech was uh, rolling right along with uh, Michael Vick and Shane Beamer. I'm sorry, uh, what was his first name? Beamer. Frank, Frank Beamer. Frank. Frank. To be Frank, Frank Beamer had a pretty good thing going, but I don't know how they compete nowadays, John, with with trying to get elite athletes. They were based off good defense, and they was it Bud? Uh, can't remember. Bud, For- Bud Foster. Bud- but Foster, yeah, he was there forever. And uh yeah, I know how they can compete. They play Virginia every Saturday. <laughs> so yeah, it's <laughs> just a season long of Virginia. 12, 12 non conference games. Look, if Virginia Tech were in the SEC given their fan base, I actually think they could have a nice infrastructure to recruit to a certain degree because they have like an SEC culture, I feel like, at Virginia Tech. But that, look, Justin Fuente just wrecked that program. Again, ask every Virginia Tech fan about Hendon Hooker. Rocky Top Tom says UVA equals sissies with bow ties and salmon pink britches. No, that was the official color. They also demand like that. that you... <laughs> some salmon <laughs> pants? Yeah, at least somebody called them salmon. I didn't think they were salmon. UVA also demands, by the way, that you refer to their campus as the grounds, not as campus. They say, it's the grounds. I'm dead serious. Oh, oh so I've got it. Tony Musket just hit the grounds. <laughs> In Nashville. <laughs> In Nashville, yeah. Repeatedly. Tony Musket can't get up off the grounds <laughs> in Nashville. It would be. I, I, I would personally pledge $250 for Bob Kessling to use that one time <laughs> in Saturday's game. Here's another one that they're paying their coach like $8.5 million. How about Stanford? John, we talked about that last night. You know, I, I guess Stanford just wasn't on my radar. I always thought it was about uh, was about eight and four, had three future NFL tight ends, and David Shaw was on, on the sidelines. And some – at some point when I wasn't looking, that just went away. And now it's kind of a mess there. It was picked to be last in the in the last season of the Pac twelve. But let's let's not, you know, let's not downgrade Virginia too much, or I should say upgrade it too much, because Virginia, every preseason poll I saw in the ACC with respect to Virginia Tech had Virginia last. Maybe I didn't look at enough polls, but and it was last last year, and uh, but it's got a quarterback from Monmouth now, so things will probably work out. Uh, Raleigh <laughs> said Northwestern is worse. You actually said that um, last night when we were talking. Ollie Lane uh, will get Dave, the- excuse yeah. me. You said Northwestern was worse. You said it. <laughs> no, Wait, if y'all you, didn't believe, you, if 
You said it, and I agreed with you. But then when I thought about it a little longer, I think no, Northwestern will be motivated with all the off-season stuff. And uh, to re- I'm sorry, but I can't. I think that North. I, you say Northwestern, I kind of laugh. I, I can't help it. Just. To- but if Dave wasn't a Cowboy fan, we would have. It, it, we would. Couldn't we say Colorado? Because why are we believing in Deion Sanders? He's proven nothing yet, and they were one and eleven last year. Ram time. That's that's a that, pretty you know a Cowboy fan too. No, but he has got you. That's a really good point. Yeah. But I mean, I they have made his John, sons they have pretty, made the worst hire in the history of man. We don't know yet. I just I think Dion's a great promoter. He's a great cornerback. Uh, but I unless think he had to tackle this, you, I think well, I think he's going to. I think this is has disaster written all over it. At Colorado, I'm glad you brought up Colorado because I was thinking eh, I couldn't think of another team. I had uh, Stanford. Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Virginia to me was worse. And I, I don't know. That's that's a good call. With the Dion thing, he makes every peop- every person in the media refer to him as coach, which I've never referred to a coach as coach other than Johnny Majors because that's when I was a kid and I grew up watching him. So I would call him coach. I mean, it's not like a real title like doctor. I know. Um, I, I remember the first time you asked coach a question, you said, Hey, doofus, what do you – I thought that was a bit disrespectful, Dave, looking back. <laughs> that was a little much. Yeah, right? that, yeah. That, that was that was back in my wet days, though, John. I may have had a long night the night before. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Y'all are so low, by the way, on UVA. You ready for a crazy stat? Here, I'm this, ready. This is true. Of every program in college athletics, not in the SEC or Big Ten, or not going to be in the SEC or Big Ten, Virginia is the highest revenue athletic department by far, uh, even even more than Florida State right now. Is that Craig Elo giving back? It's the basketball program does have a have a loyal <laughs> following, and it's yeah no they are according to USA Today's uh, NCAA finances revenue expenses by school that comes out every year. This past summer, Virginia was 14th in the nation in overall revenue. So, okay, well. Does anybody well, actually know where Craig Elo went to school for the record? His nickname was Eggs and Mr. Everything. I'll say Illinois State. I have no idea. No, maybe a Pac-12 school. <laughs> where, he he, he was kind of like – didn't he have like kind of a surfer look to him? Or am I, I'm wow, John nailed it. Look at Thank you. you. Washington. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't know this. Wait. No, wait. Washington. Did he play for Washington? Washington State. Washington State. Okay. Pretty good. But he went the Odessa College route first so he had a little musket in him so uh whatever happened to ralph sampson i watched him playing and covered him in a final four seven four uh could handle the ball pretty well yeah he was great he had a bad accident with a musket no seriously dave you... no he was very good i think he's what, what boy because, oh, yeah. wasn't he... that like didn't Houston draft him the year before Hakeem Olajuwon? And it was like, we're going to have the Twin Towers, and that's going to be better than anything Michael Jordan does with the Bulls. And I think, didn't I think happen. Samson had injury issues like the last half of his career. He's kind of like a Bill Walton type. Well, he, he was 7'4", and I think that lends itself to injuries. You can hit your head on a, you know, going, going through a door, you can hit your head on the ceiling. Before I let you go, did you see the Gator th- uh, Gator Kings thing? Have you watched any of that? 
The Swamp Kings. Swamp Kings. No, I dumped Netflix. Well, it's horrible, and I'll just leave it at that. It's a puff piece for Urban Meyer, and you can get five minutes in and figure it out. It's like, it's the, like what, watching an OJ documentary when they talk about him being a great football player and like nothing else happened after he retired. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, yeah, but I, I think Urban Meyer, he's one of my all-time greatest coaches and Tim Tebow, one of my all-time greatest quarterbacks. So I probably would have handled a puff piece really well. I'm not watching Netflix, though. No, you're ruling that out. Not even Ozark. And you, I didn't even watch the end of it. I it had one season to go or half a season, and I said, "No, I don't care how it ends. I'm not watching this anymore." I will give John some credit. We were at the SEC championship game together when Florida got beat by Alabama, and I was working for ESPN. He was working for the Knoxville News Sentinel, who's blessed to have him, by the way. And John looked at me when he was writing, and John rarely would talk. But he went down to the press room area, which was rare, too. John rarely goes down to the press area. And I came back, and we're riding kind of close to each other. John turns to me and goes, did it look like something was really wrong with Urban Meyer? And then, like, two days later, he's having a fake heart attack. I should have called 911 midway through the fourth quarter. There's a guy on the sideline in the Georgia Dome that's dying. Yes. Public Enemy says 911 is a joke. Like flavor flavor. Yeah, boy. Uh, (laughs) I had a public enemy moment when I was trying to get music uh, motivated for for the gym. John, how do we follow your fantastic work and maybe your Twitter uh, that you don't ever use? Uh, You can kind of hang out with me or you can uh, check out knoxnews.com. We've got a special, a special going now, a dollar for six months. And here's what you do. You go to my column and click on subscribe. So <laughs> I will get credit for the subscription. In fact, I'll be going around town the next couple of days paying people a dollar to click on my column and subscribe. Well, not a bad idea. I just can't find the story and I'm subscribed. But nevertheless, um, John's stuff is fantastic. So if you can find it, you'll enjoy it. John, every Tuesday, I appreciate it, buddy. We will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. He was wearing a semi-orange cap, and here I am with an orange mug. You're probably thinking, if you're watching on YouTube, this is like the all-ball show. And, uh, oh, is John still there? John, real quick, you back? All right, uh, Travis asked if I could do my John impersonation and see if we can tell the difference. Oh, John, okay. There, there no, we... I don't talk like that anymore. Okay. Oh man, my God, my hip is just killing me, and it's yeah, it's my other knee too. And oh, hey, going to the press box. <laughs> What's that? Uh, well, that wasn't good at all, Dave. Thank you, John. You know, yeah, I love you. Okay. John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. I was going to ask if he, given that he dumped Netflix, so he's just doing the chill part of Netflix and chill. Which means he, what? He's just getting it on? I don't want to think about John Adams getting it on. <laughs> Netflix and chill means you watch TV and then you, you do the naughty. I, don't know. I know. And it looks like he's just like, let's go straight to the chill part. <laughs> all right. 90 seconds. We're going to take a, a look at Tennessee's depth chart. And if you're just tuning in, uh, I was told that uh, Tennessee suffered another injury on a very talented player. Also, the five keys 
for the Vols against UVA. So not only do we have some breaking top of news, but we have great breakdown of the Cavs who went to Washington State, but uh, or the cat or Craig Elo reminds me of them, but he went to Washington State. Of all the Cavs, like you reminded more of Craig Elo than LeBron, who actually won them a ring. Yeah, I do because I think of LeBron being everywhere else but there. He I mean, you're right. Cleveland, it's a- you're- you're right. He's Cleveland. Just... It's only championship in like 60 years. Yeah. What's the deal with his son? Have you heard of lately? Is he going to be able to play again? Yeah, it was some it was some condition. I think he's still going to be okay. The thing is, what people don't understand is like when you basketball more than any other sport has those type of cardiac arrests because it's such up-tempo training constantly. Yeah. So it's more likely for health. I mean, you know, people drop conspiracies, but Dave, you've been covering sports for a long time. You've seen players collapse on the court in basketball more than any other sport. It happens. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen anybody collapse. But, I mean, I think it would. No, wasn't there a player who died, like, on the court in, like, 1990, 91? Oh, I thought you'd been in person. Yeah. Um, you had Hank Gathers passed away. Yeah. And then you had Reggie Lewis of the Celtics that passed away after two doctors told him not to play. And he he went out and played. That's what I would. Listen, Cooper Mays has nothing wrong with him that could cause him to pass away. But if I'm him, I'm not going out there until I believe me, myself, and I. I'm 100% healthy because he's got an NFL future at stake. That player that's banged up and will miss some time next 90 seconds. Caleb, Dave, off the sports. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. You're listening to the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I want to encourage you, you just saw the Sports Treasures commercial. I want to encourage you to follow them on Facebook because they have the coolest darn stuff in the world. And it's like some things you might not be as interested in, whether it's Pokemon or something like that. But every fourth or fifth pick, it's like a Hendon Hooker sign helmet or something really cool. So go to Facebook and follow them. Share them as well. Remember, we need you to support our advertisers and our sponsors 
or we won't be here. So Sports Treasures, go to Facebook and please follow them right now. If you could hit the like and subscribe button for this show, we'd greatly appreciate it. And keep giving us your thoughts because we absolutely love the feedback. And I got a secret, Caleb. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think that for our big post-game show that's going to be coming up after the games, that I have it all figured out in the board where we can take some phone calls. How cool is that? So we'll get a little reaction from the fans. And I talked to Caleb about how technically difficult that might be. I didn't know that my phone was already Bluetooth connected to my board. (laughs) So all I had to do is slide a lever up, and it worked just that easy. Tennessee releases its depth chart. What are your initial reactions to what you saw on the depth chart, which nowadays doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean an awful lot. Josh Heupel, you said line earlier. I don't want to go that far, but I will say this. He takes great pride in misleading the media. So I don't know that you take a lot out of the depth chart, but you can, can take some things. What did you take out of the depth chart? By the way, Joe well, yeah, and that one actually wasn't surprising. One of the things that kind of stood out to me was that Roman Harrison was penciled in as a starter at Leo, but at defensive end, it's Tyler Barron or Dominic Bailey. Now, I've been calling for Tyler, Tyler Barron, Dave, to step up for a while, and it seems like he still hasn't separated himself. The other one is both cornerback spots are an either-or, meaning they have no cornerbacks. They still can't find somebody. The star and both safety spots are locked in, so obviously they're willing to do that in some areas. Offensive line, totally in flux. And I think that really stands out with there's either or at three of the five positions. And then the fourth is Cooper Mays penciled in at center, but we know he's not starting on Saturday. So, yeah, we know that. And I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's going to start for the Florida game. And again, this is not Cooper telling me this because he is a part of what we do here. I'm specifically not asking, but based off other sources, I don't think he's going to be ready for a few weeks, which you can read about on offthehooksports.com. Also, we reported earlier that Elijah Simmons has a tweaked knee and could be out three to four weeks. We'll see. I don't think you're going to get Josh Heupel to address that because he wasn't up on the depth chart anyway, so it's not like he's not going to run out there. I guess if he's in street clothes, he could be asked about it, um, Caleb. But, you know, you talked about – uh my gosh Tyler Barron I think that Tyler Barron uh Addison Nichols and uh lastly who are we just talking about Elijah Simmons are the guys with the most talent that need to get a little bit more serious about how hard they play football and now I'm not mincing into that too by the way fair and I'm not saying that now that Elijah Simmons is hurt he should get he should get healthy but I am saying that There were a lot of guys brought in under Pruitt that were mean guys. Mean, nasty, I mean as a compliment. And some of the other guys that have come in since have not been as mean. You talk about the offensive line. How much shuffling do you think we'll see in real game action before Tennessee gets up 30-3 to uh, of maybe putting in, I don't know, an Addison Nichols at center, maybe having Ollie Lane play a little left guard, um, Andre Keurig, uh, maybe playing left guard. And then at the right tackle position, you got Mincy and Crawford, right? Um, I think that uh, Tennessee is good enough where they can 
they can mix and match a little bit and see who are real game players, not just dudes that are showing up in a uniform. I think they'll do that everywhere but center. And the reason I don't think they'll do that as center is they're already on their backup at center, and they really need Joe Milton and Ali Lane to get to develop a rapport. So I think they're I think he's going to try to keep them in together because you don't want Joe Milton then to get used to another center. Now he might rotate in once he pulls Joe Milton, which if you're a Tennessee fan, you hope he pulls Joe Milton and you hope to get a look at Nico, which I guess is a new question, Dave. Do you expect to see Nico on Saturday? I oh, do. No question. No question. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't even think that's close. I think the game's going to be out of hand. And um, that might be the most exciting part of the game, quite frankly, on Saturday. I agree. So I think once you get Nico in, you'll rotate Addison Nichols and try some things. But I don't think you're going to do that with Joe because I, wanted, I think you want to make sure that Joe and Ollie Lane have really developed a rapport with each other going forward. Let's go down the other running backs jabari small or jalen Wright. when it's all said and done at the end of the year it's uh small or right so they use the basically or to say that they're both starters but small or right who do you think um at the end of the year will have the biggest impact for the balls i'm solely being a slave to what i've heard about practice reports but i'm going with jalen Wright at this point totally and agree. I think small is more fundamentally sound, but Jalen Wright has put on how many he's put on what 15 pounds this offseason. He wasn't 210 last year. And no, he's he's bigger, he's more powerful, and he still has the bounce, is what I've been told. Now Squirrel White listed at receiver over Dante Thornton. But Should, it's an either or again. Is it an either or? Okay, because yeah, according to the Knoxville News Sentinel, it's got him just below him. So if it's an either or that's one thing, but the fact that he hasn't stepped in and taken that position, which I think a lot of people hoped he would, and you and I thought he would, is that saying anything about Dante Thornton that he hasn't had the impact that many people thought he would? No, I think it's more Heupel is going to be able to run four people in a rotation, and I think Squirrel White is just that good. Particularly, Squirrel White's a great fit for Joe Milton because, as I've talked about before, if anybody can catch a Joe Milton overthrow, it's Squirrel White. I find it interesting they have Jacob Warren or McCallan Castles. That stood out to me too. Yeah, it's going to be Warren. I mean, they rested him last week a little bit so that he's fresh and he knows the system. I will say this from people I talked to in that program, Castles is going to be a dominating run blocker. And he's good enough to get open, but he may be, may be, proved to be a little bit more powerful uh, when he's blocking in the box. But that's Jacob Warren. I mean, he played 75% of the snaps last year with Princeton Fant rotated in and out. He'll play 75% of the snaps this year too. All right, here's what I think is going to happen. I think we talked about they would alternate Warren one drive and then four wide another, which I think is still strongly possible. But I think every now – I think it'll be Warren, four wide, Warren Castles, Warren four wide, Warren Castles. That's why I think they're going to do it. And then with the three to four receiver, they'll rotate Thornton, White, Keaton, and McCoy in. And I think they will actually move Thornton. They'll actually, I think they'll stick Thornton in at White out sometimes too to give Keaton or McCoy a rest. So in the defensive backfield, you have Danico Slaughter or Gabe Judy Lolly. That's at one cornerback position. At the other, it's Kamal Haddon or Warren Burrell. And then at the star position, you have Tamarian McDonald at safety. You have Jalen McCullough followed by Jordan Thomas at the other safety position, Wesley Walker. And then followed by him is Andre Turrentine, who was supposed to be a corner at this time last year, or 
Christian Charles. Out of that group, I'm going to write a column about this on offthehooksports.com, and I'm going to poll all the various contributors to the site, including Jimmy Hobbs and John Adams. Which one of those defensive backs takes the biggest step? Wesley Walker. Wesley Walker showed promise at the end of last year. He takes a huge step this year. I'm throwing all the cornerbacks out. I think that that rotation is hypeful saying, if you want to know where they're going to rotate, it's going to be cornerback. They're going to try everybody at cornerback against Virginia because I don't think they have an answer. And I'm still sticking with it. Jordan Matthews will be starting there by October. And Jordan Matthews and Ricky Gibson might be starting at cornerback by November. I'm going to Nico Slaughter. And it's purely based off the eye test. Like if we were voting for who's going to be in the college football playoff, if we were on that committee, it would be eye test that pushed him over the top, Caleb. And I think that he is he has shown me flashes where I think he can be really, really good. I'm talking about his fast twitch and his explosion. But I'm not an NFL scout, but I've called these a couple of times in my career. And I think it'll be Danico Slaughter that takes the biggest step this year. And lastly, five key balls to watch versus the University of Before Earth. we get oh, yes, go to ahead. that, I just want to bring up this one point with a depth chart. Because this is, I feel strongly about this, Dave, by the way, which is that I don't know if you saw, but one, we still don't know if he's going to play Jalen McCullough because of that indictment. And I don't know if I believe him because he's got Cooper Mays listed in as a starter. I think the SEC needs to implement what the Big Ten's about to implement. I don't know if you saw that yesterday, but the Big Ten is going to require coaches to provide player availability four days out before the game. It's about time. I was talking to somebody about that. I can't believe you brought that up. I was talking to somebody about that just last week. You know, you act like it's such a secret. I'm sorry. The the casinos in Vegas aren't real happy with that. That's why professional leagues have to release who they play. So, or who they're going to play, who's questionable, who's doubtful. And I'm all for college football having to do that as well. Yeah. And this is another instance. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but the SEC is a better product, but the Big Ten has been better run for years. The Big Ten started instant replay before the SEC did. They started their own network before the SEC did. Now they're requiring player availability before the SEC did. And I'm like, when is the SEC going to get ahead? Yeah, the Big Ten is genius with this. And by the way, the markets and the fans, everybody's going to love this. It's, it is fan-friendly to demand player availability the week of a game. And I get coaches like gamesmanship. I but it's not good for the fans. Even if Josh Heupel and it helps Tennessee and it takes advantage of Tennessee, it is not good for fans or media or anybody to have this gamesmanship of, Oh, well this player who is probably out for a month play this week, who knows? It's just annoying. No, it is. And you should have more insight into that. I understand playing by the rules, which Josh Heupel is doing now. I'm not going to offer up more than I have to, but I would like for there to be a rule in place. The question is, are somebody going to be like Bill Belichick? Tom Brady was questionable for like eight years. He was on the injury report as questionable every game for eight years. And you knew he was going to play. So there's going to be ways. Go ahead. Yes, you can still manipulate the rules. Rules Belichick has for years, but it's harder. Like that's the thing with any rules. Rules can always be manipulated and twisted. That doesn't mean they shouldn't exist. And comment on the message board as far as who's going to improve the most. Kamal Haddon, mostly because he couldn't get worse. Huge upside. Ouch! That is just mean. If Kamal Haddon's parents are watching right now, I just want to apologize on behalf of Travis's post. K 
Caleb and Dave Hooker at Off the Hook Sports. Five key balls in the Virginia game. You want to give yours first or me? Uh, well, I have a column on Off the Hook Sports right now showing it, so I, I maybe I should give mine first. Well, let's go with yours, and I'll tell you what mine would have been. So mine is not – I want to be clear here. Mine is not matchup-based. It will be matchup-based towards the middle and end of the season, but it's Virginia. This is about seeing what we need to see from players we have questions about. Would you agree with me from that premise, Dave? Totally, totally. This is All a right, game so, where you should be able to make individual plays against a lesser opponent. <clears throat> right. So number five for me is Keenan Peely because there's a lot of hype behind him taking over Jeremy Banks' job at linebacker, and I think the expectations are there, and I think we actually need to see it from him in a game. So I'm pretty high on Keenan Peely for that. I will go to offset that. Is it the countdown, right? Five, four, three, yes. two, one. I will go Aaron Beasley because – Peely should open things up for him and everybody that contributes to this off the hook sports thing that we got going half the people think that he's not going to be any good and overrated. And the other half seem to think he's going to have a breakout year. So I'll go Beasley. You go Peely. Who's number four. Number four for me is a guy I just mentioned who I think is going to have the biggest leap in the defensive backfield. And that's a Wesley Walker. I couldn't name a cornerback because I don't know who's going to be starting at cornerback. And I know anybody who says they do is lying. Nobody knows what they're going to do at cornerback because I don't think they have an answer. But Wesley Walker stepping in to take Trey Flowers' role after a strong finish to last year, I'm really excited to see the leap he makes. And I think that's what we need to look for against Virginia. Number four, I have Squirrel White. Just heard so much about him. His interviews have been just so confident. And he's actually talkative, which tells me, that last year was kind of like a snowstorm of attention and uh, you know, being able to adapt to Tennessee's playbook, and he still stood out. So what does he do this year with another year? Number three, Caleb Calhoun. Number three for me, I'm going to the offensive line, and I'm going John Campbell Jr. at left tackle. Now, he's listed as a either-or with Gerald Mincy, but I think the job is his. The coaches wanted the job to be his. They targeted him out of Miami in – they basically, I don't want to say they pulled an Ed Orgeron, Brent Schaefer move where they gave him the keys to the car before he even stepped foot on campus, but it seemed yeah. like they were trying to give him the keys to the car before he stepped yeah. on campus. No, they did. And I don't even know why he's an or on the depth chart. I mean, he's going to be the guy. And they talked about how nice it was to have that left tackle position locked down. The next guy I'm going with is Dylan Sampson because I heard so much about him in the spring and throughout the summer, not as much maybe in preseason camp, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ripped off three plays that are 25-plus yards. I will go ahead and make that prediction right now, either catching the football or running out of the backfield. 25-plus yards, three plays, Dylan Sampson. It's funny you say that because I think to, I think I learned kind of watching the Hurt and Kamara dual duo, but now really watching running backs, like I understand why there's – uh why you have the workhorse player of the game, because a lot of times a running back that shoulders the load and gets all the carries in the middle, they'll get all the carries, but then a guy like Samson will get all the yards because of the change of pace. And then it kind of devalues the work that a Jabari Small or Jalen Wright put in throughout the game, shouldering all the hits in the middle. I kind of learned that about running backs as I go on. So do we have your number three? Have we gotten your number three? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we have. Okay. We got number three. Number two is, go first. Go. is I got Ollie Lane. Stepping in at center for Cooper Mays, that's a huge question, and we need to see what he can do. Man, I feel about as poppy as – who's your favorite singer? 
Uh, Taylor I Swift. Mean, well, Taylor I mean, Swift is one of my favorite singers. I got yeah, I mean, I'm going with all the popular ones. So maybe I'm being lame about this, but it's Joe Milton. I mean, I want to see what he does. And I'll go ahead and wrap up my five. Number one, the guy I want to see the most is a little quarterback that I think is going to be pretty good sooner rather than later. His name is Nico. Ia Male Ava. Ia Male Ava. I think he's going to be the takeaway from the game on Saturday. So I'm number one, what your number two is, which is Joe Milton, because again, that we talked about Joe Milton at the beginning of the game of the, of the show. I'm still, again, I am not convinced from the orange bowl. And by the way, there were a lot of throws that Joe Milton missed in that orange bowl and a lot of drives that stalled. Go back and watch that game. So I think the system allow is going to allow him to be productive, but I still am not a full-on believer, even though I think he's going to start the full year. Yeah, I just want to see Nico whip it. I want to see how comfortable he is in the pocket. It's going to be garbage time, so we can't, we're not going to be able to make a true assessment of it. But I want to see how comfortable he is. I hear about his maturity, and he's like, when he came to Tennessee, he was 17 going on 28. I've heard so much of that. Um, I've heard how he's approachable. He's bonded with his teammates. I have not heard one bad thing, and I would tell you if I did. I have not heard one bad thing on or off the record about Nico. I haven't heard one bad thing about Joe Milton either. So those are why those are my top two. Real honest question, Dave, about this coaching staff, because I look, I covered the Butch Jones years and I, I don't think I've ever been lied to more by a staff than Butch Jones on players that they were high on that never saw the field in a season. Do you get that vibe from this coaching staff that, or, or do you think they're a little more honest with you if someone's not producing or not when they, when they leak stuff to the media? I think the people that I'm talking to are being pretty forthright. I think when Josh Heupel goes out there and talks about Joe Milton, Joe Milton, Joe Milton, and he does, and doesn't bring up Nico a lot unless he's asked, and then he gives a bland answer, I think that's to pump Joe up and make sure that Joe knows that he's not going to have any sort of issue losing his job if he has one bad game. So I base it off two things. I base it off what I'm told and uh, confidence, and I'm basing it off – I think Josh Heupel's a gutsy dude. A really gutsy dude. And I think if, if Joe Milton had had an awful offseason and Nico had had a great offseason, I think he'd pull the trigger. I, I do. At some point in the summer, I think he would have pulled the trigger. I don't think he's scared to do that, but I don't think he needs to do that because Joe's been that good. At the end of the day, I think we'll talk about Nico being better than Milton. Okay, five years from now, as a whole career. <clears throat> but who's the most ready to play on Saturday against Virginia than Austin P than at Florida. There's no question in my mind. It's Joe Milton. But you've covered staffs, haven't you? Where they, they blatantly feed you lies and misleading information. And then it th- totally throws you off guard when you watch the season. And you're like, that's not what they were feeding us in the all season. Oh yeah. There will be a dude at, we named 10 guys together or roughly eight. Cause we had some yeah. double ups, or nine. I think there will be a dude outside of that, that nine. And it might be Tyler Barron. I'm just throwing him out there. Um, Yeah, it it might be that guy that will have a big game that hasn't been asked about. But Josh Heupel is not going to go to that podium and say, man, I can't tell you how great Tyler Barron is. You know, there's no reason to do that unless you ask about him. And he only talks to the media for roughly 11 minutes and 28 seconds. Well, I was seeing the reverse. I was talking about where the coaching staff props up a player that turns out to be complete garbage during the year. Or doesn't so, even see the field. 
where they, they lie to you and they lie like Butch Jones did this to us all the time. He would pretend that these he would feed narratives that this player was really standing out in spring and fall camp and then never see the field in the fall. Never see the field once. Well, fair question here. Rocky Top Tom says, do you really, though, Dave? He showed some loyalty talking about Hypo to a fault with Joe before. Remember what we all talked about last week with Hendon Hooker and Joe before last year. The difference is, and Caleb's brought it up, Hooker was not Hypo's guy. He, he was not brought in by Hypo. Uh, and I think that Joe Milton is like the shiny sports car because he can do everything and he can throw it a million miles. But I think Nico is every bit as talented. He just happens to be about 30 pounds lighter. So, um, yes, I do. I think they're both his guys that he brought in. And I think if somewhere along the lines, I mean, there's a reason that the the indoor workout facility, Caleb, is right next to the coach's office. Coaches aren't really allowed to be there in the summer workouts. But all you got to do is step outside your office and you can watch. So, I think if he saw Nico outperforming Joe, I do think he would pull the trigger. But I think and we're beyond be, that. Right? We're beyond that, though, right? We're not talking about that happening yes. against Virginia. Right, exactly. And let's be fair. And my older brother brought this up to me, so I'm going to give him a shout-out on the show. But, um, yes, I still criticize Josh Heupel for making that decision to start Joe. Yes, I think it was because Joe was his guy, and he looked past Hooker outperforming him. However, I know too many coaches that would have had the arrogance to stick with Joe Throughout the year, even when Hooker was clearly better. Heupel was willing to make that switch to Hooker like that. I mean, Hooker took the job and didn't lose it. How many coaches do you know, Dave, that would have so badly wanted their guy to stay the starter and would have made and would have kept him on the field, even if Hooker was clearly better? Now, let me ask you this. Could we have a Jalen Hurd, uh, Alvin Kamara situation? We all knew that Alvin Kamara was better, but Jalen Hurd got paid. And he just did. I can tell you that through recruiting circles. And and when you pay a player, he has leverage over you. That's why it was really stupid to pay players back in the day. But it wasn't pragmatic because they say, I can go to the media and tell everybody you gave me money. And they're going to let me go somewhere and play immediately. And you're going to get in trouble. I believe Jalen Hurd got paid. And I believe his family was willing to go to the media and say that. And that's why Alvin Kamara got 25% of the snaps. Instead of 75%, which and, he should have. And they publicly trashed Alvin Kamara, too, all the time. Funny enough, his, his, his mom would. Jalen Hurd's mom would. It was kind of a weird situation altogether. I don't think so, because I totally put that on Butch Jones. You know, Butch Jones was totally willing to kowtow just to, and you talked about it, just to sell things for recruiting. And look, Lane Kiffin did that, too. So I'm not going to let, you know, Lane Kiffin sat there and brought in a class that you bring out all the time, had more criminals than than all SEC players. More felons than all SEC players. Yes. And he did it because he wanted to sell things for recruiting. That was why I will never forget there were times on the goal line he brought in Bryce Brown instead of Monterio Hardesty when Brown still did not have the proper vision on things. He was trying his best to sell that class. And, I mean, he did it at the expense of Tennessee in that 2009 season. Let me ask you this. Because a lot of times position battles are closer than we really think. And it seems like an obvious answer to go with guy A, and then he gets more experience. And what happens, Caleb? He gets significantly better than guy B, right? I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. natural because of the experience. But if it were 55 45% that they like Joe over Nico, would the NIL money factor in? Do you get a phone call from 
Walmart because he showed up on my Instagram feed as shopping at Walmart. Uh, I don't know if that was the actual sponsor or the item he was sponsoring, but you're talking about what, $8 million? If you get that call and you're close, does it affect who you play? I know this is crazy talk, but, you know, you got No, food. not only if Joe doesn't perform the way he should or if he performs questionably. I think everybody who called that NIL money together for Nico, I think at this point it's an open secret at Knoxville that Tennessee expects to start Joe for the year. So I think most of the NIL investors are accepting that. They just demand that Nico start next year. Yeah. They're not going to go get Joey Matthews to step in there. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. We are with you weekdays at 10 a.m. Hit the like and subscribe button. Tell a friend. We greatly appreciate those that are on the message board each and every day. And before long, we're going to be able to take some phone calls. We're looking forward to that. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.